Hello, this is Ev with the Bluff Council. You are about to listen to our episode on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Lucky you. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing to our Spotify or especially our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for listening. How do you how do you want to intro this episode? What do you mean how do I want to intro it? Are you ready for the best fucking movie of all time? Turtle power. Underrated, all right. <laughs> we got our underrated films, which for some reason started with Armageddon, which is a movie we're both a little lukewarm on. <laughs> <laughs> Just ripping through. This them. one is is quite the opposite. Uh, this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Leonardo, Michelangelo. It's me. Donatello <laughs> and Raphael. The first uh, cinematic experience <laughs> for, for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And we'll just start with the fact, the reason I say it's underrated, obviously I'm fond of it, but uh, 40% on, on Rotten Tomatoes, 40% for this film. That not only offends me, but I also am genuinely surprised, right? So like Armageddon, I can joke a little bit and I can be like, are you kidding me? But sure, this movie we'll get to genuinely surprised and and i and I, I don't think that makes sense so keith as we so often do um let's start with your history with the teenage mutant ninja turtles um before i talk for 25 minutes about <laughs> yeah. where i was for every major teenage mutant ninja turtles related <laughs> event from 1989 to 1994. great great uh i like the teenage mutant ninja turtles Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, this. No, but did you? Yeah, you, you oh, just I mean, come on. I mean, this was, yeah, I mean, this was, this was right in my wheelhouse. I, I couldn't tell you how much I loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was like Ghostbusters and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as I was growing up was the, was the thing. I was Raphael as a, as for Halloween one year. That makes I, sense. The it, guy with the thick New York accent and yeah, the asshole hey. might fly off. <laughs> Yeah. He was my favorite. He was the coolest. He was sarcastic, you know, not as like chipper as the other guys. He was a little bit more real. I loved him. Mm. You know, he, he kind of brought the party down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like that's, yeah. I was like, this no is me. No one really likes him, but yeah. like he's got to be around sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I loved it. I, they, they, were, they were awesome for me. They were, they were meant, you know, for my demographic. So I can't, can't say enough about how much I love the turtles in general. And this film, when it came out, Obviously, I was a, a huge fan. You remember going to see this film or I don't seeing it on VHS or VHS. What? I don't remember seeing it in theaters. Like, I don't, I don't think I went to movies in 1990. Um, but yes, I 100% remember seeing this movie in my house and watching it uh, repeatedly. Yeah, so I remember vividly when this movie came out. Um, would be, it was 1990 and the lead up to that. So I was, I was five slash six. Five in 1989, six in 1990. I loved the Turtles more than life itself uh, as, as being a kid in that age uh, and being a martial artist. And I, I remember the first time I watched the cartoon. Like I literally remember all of these firsts um, where my dad was like, uh, I just saw the show on TV and I think you should probably come check it out. And I, like, I remember the moment. I remember walking into the family room and watching the cartoon for the first time and being hooked. And... Uh, I remember my fifth birthday party 
when it was one of the better parties I've, I've had in my life, my better birthday parties. <laughs> and I had all my cousins over and we all loved the turtles, you know, it was this huge deal. And we love the action figures, you know, and every so often you got to get an action figure. It was a huge deal. You clogged my gun with anchovies! The turtles and their portable pizza thrower triumph again! And my big gift that year was a, a big cardboard box. And inside of it was maybe 35 action figures. Like it was like the whole lineup of turtles. And I just tipped it upside down. And I remember just going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> just like pouring it on myself and all the kids diving in to look. And I was just like, oh, this is the, life will never be this good yeah, again. Yeah. And it uh, hasn't been. I don't think it, it has hasn't. Been. It hasn't. Yeah, you were right. You were right about that. I've been depressed every day after that day. Um, but I, I love the turtles. And I remember thinking what a big deal it was that this movie was coming out. That they were doing a live action film, seemed so uh, adult. Right, we're, it's not just a cartoon anymore. Now they're really doing it. And then I, I remember starting. I remember learning that Jim Henson was involved, and I was a huge Jim Henson guy. Which who wasn't when you were five or six at, at that time? So it was just I was so excited. And while The Little Mermaid was the first movie I ever saw in a movie theater, this film is the first film that I got to pick. This was yeah. the first me movie that we ever went to see in a movie theater, and I got to go with my cousins who I didn't see all the time. And, and sit up, we I remember we were really close in the front, and it was just like, I've arrived. <laughs> you know, like, this is life now. Every, this it changed me. everything. Yeah. I, I, I adored this movie. So I'm, I'm clearly going to be a little biased in yeah. my uh, opinions about it, because I don't know how I couldn't be. But even all that said, I really try to pride myself on being able to remove my bias. None of us can do that completely, and, and I'm, I'm not going to be great. But I really do think it's a good movie. Um, and not even necessarily just for what it is. And I don't understand why uh, critics or reviewers or your Rotten Tomatoes people wouldn't, would say 40%. Like this is, to me, this is a well-constructed, thoughtful, interesting, funny, fun for kids and adults movie that it's not, it's, it doesn't need to win the Oscar, but it, it should be recognized as like a solid film. So <laughs> I thought you were gonna just say, but it should be recognized, <laughs> like like for an yeah, Oscar. Like it should I thought you nominated. <laughs> yeah, it should have been <laughs> at least nominated. I thought that's where you're going with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, the I don't disagree. I watched that's this smart decision. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just watched this movie again. I haven't seen it in a in a long time, but I know I watched it several times growing up. But you know, after a certain time, you, you kind of let go of those things. I watched it. I feel like I'm in a. I feel like I have a good grasp on the difference between my just enjoyment as a child and it bringing back me back to that point in my time, which equally we shared that that amazement at these characters. Where now I watch it with sort of fresh film eyes, if you can call them fresh film eyes, <laughs> and I I was really pleasantly surprised that this wasn't a dumbed down film from a craft standpoint. I really don't believe, as much as it is blatantly a kid's movie, because of the action, a lot of it gets silly and they, you know, like there's those moments. And as the film goes on, that kind of gets a little bit more, I, I think. There are definitely those moments where it's definitely for kids, but I thought the cinematography was excellent. Like pretty <laughs> high quality level. I thought the direction was pretty was pretty solid. 
in creating, adding to the emotion that I should be feeling at that moment. You know, sort of playing it straight in that sense. Like when I should feel tense, yeah. when Shredder comes on screen, he's directed in a very real way. You know, he's yeah. presented in a really real way. There's a handful of shots that, that really like grabbed me. And the, the one I have to say that, that I was like really blown away with that it was in was the combination of the first shot of April O'Neil through when they're leaving the house that's exploding. It's like sort mm -hmm. of midway through, and it, like the house gets ransacked by all those people and it's like on fire and they're driving away and it's- In the van? In the van and it's through the window and you see the, it's almost like a tear kind of, like, but the fire's like exploding like in her face. And yeah. then that warm, ma majestic shot cut right to the harsh blue of Shredder turning the corner. Like it's a clear visual difference. It's a poetic shot followed by a much harsher, your villain coming in with a nice texture to that shot, like a long menacing shot. Like I was like, fuck, that's good. That's good for any movie. Yeah. And there's a handful of times throughout that movie where I was like, this is pretty legit. So I 100%, 40% is too low for this film. It's, it's really to me, and I remember thinking this as a kid, it is like the least pandery film to a child ever. And this is, I, I don't want to harp too hard on this, but this is a little bit like I felt the, the opposite of what I felt off this recent Mortal Kombat film, where it's like, you're hitting all the beats you need to hit to satisfy your five-year-old fans for this movie, for Turtles, but you're somehow still making, you're, 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 you're holding it in a certain reverence. Like, this is a serious issue. Like, I remember being a kid and being like, this is not, this is not cartoon Shredder. Shredder is not being played for laughs here. This Shredder is terrifying yeah. and genuinely scary, does not smile. He is the head of a criminal syndicate where these kids are smoking and like stealing and lying from their parents, lying to their parents and all this stuff that when you're five, you're like, holy shit, this is huge. But like there it's, it doesn't talk down to its ch child audience. And I think almost every film like this with, that deals with these sort of like over the top characters and really uh, over the top story that's not realistic and fantastical and a little sci-fi and all that. Like they, 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 they pander. And this movie does not. The only comedy really comes from the four turtles. I guess they're not game show fans. And I thought everybody loved Venom. Everybody else is played as very realistic, very straight laced characters, I think for the most part. Um, and as they the should be. Like, like yeah. that is, it's really the mark of a good film and, and good writing of, of knowing where your comedy comes from and knowing the other people that need to set up the rest of the film from an emotional standpoint and drive the film forward. Like not everybody can be again, slipping on banana peels where a lot of, yeah. where a lot of these cartoon type films just yeah. or child childlike films, just like, oh, we're, just laugh a minute. Everything's going to yeah. be silly. Nothing's going to be. So I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. And the fact that they don't have to like, uh, like, like, and I know this is just a sign of the times a little bit maybe, but they don't have to just fill every frame with garbage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just be like, do, 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 overstimulation, do, 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 like all this crazy shit. Like it's just very real. It's very visceral. The effects are all practical, obviously, which is, uh, you know, a necessity of the time. But like, 
looks great. Like, un there, is, there is no way to overstate how amazing the puppetry is, I think, in this mm. film. Like, the effect, like, once in a while, sure. Like, you're like, okay, yeah, all right, that, that emotion didn't quite come through. But the, the turtles' faces, and I think especially Splinter, like, the, the level of nuance that they can do with their facial expressions, where the camera is confident enough to be all the way up. Like, the whole frame is uh, Splinter's face, and he has subtle eye movements, and, and sweaty, and when he's, when, you know, when, he's, when he's tied up and he's chained up, and they're pushed all the way in, and they, 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 Casey Jones and the kid come and put him over the shoulders, and it's just his face, and, you, and, and it looks real. Like, if you did that today, they would be 100% CGI, and it would look like garbage. And that, that well, like... They did do that. They did. They, 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 I wouldn't know. They did that. I you didn't say I will never watch those movies. Yeah, I watched uh, one of them. And they're everything, obviously, it's all CGI. And I also thought, as I was thinking about this in relation to its low Rotten Tomatoes score, was, like, I bet you, like, the same critics... Like, the bar was higher back then, I think, almost, where it's like people are still making consistently good films in the late 80s. I mean, the 80s was such a boon of amazing Great films. Great films, yeah. Um, so that 1990, you're like, what's this lowbrow, kitty trash? Like, it's not realistic. I don't like it. Whereas today, they're like, Godzilla versus Kong. It's a great mindless movie. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's so stupid. Because, like, this movie has so much more care and attention and, uh, and craft than anything. Like, literally almost anything yeah. that's a big budget movie that comes out today. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about care of the story, that's always where I start as I continue to harp on is, is do the nuts and the bolts of the story make, make sense? And, and are these beats that are happening in the film, could they happen in any film? Because they should. And the answer to this is, is yes. The, the fact that there is not only conflict outside of the turtles, there's conflict internally too between them from time to time. Like they don't always, you know, mesh. Like those are dramatic premises that ring true in every, in every good drama where there's different yeah. levels of conflict but they have to find a way to work together and overcome this greater threat and put their differences. Like, it's just things like that, that, that really separate the, 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 this from other mindless childlike stories. Cause again, yeah. this, to your point, like if this movie's made today, it's uh, stupid. It's like incredibly stupid. And, and I think the word that, that, that rings more true than anything is, is talking down to its audience. This movie would, would be like hand over fist, like this is what's happening. Here's a joke. Here's the moral. Here's the, yeah. you know, and uh, this film is, does not do that. It treats itself like a film with some teenagers in it, with some like teenage humor mixed yeah. in of the time, of the time. Yeah. Love, love how gritty it is. Love how grimy it all feels love this New York. Like this really shaped my impressions of 80s and 90s New York. You know, like I feel like this movie led me to, you know, coming to America and trading places and stuff like that. But like, this is, this is New York, baby. Like this is rough. It's, it's muggings everywhere. There's, there's warehouses full of, uh, you know, disgruntled teenagers <laughs> stacked with all their, their paraphernalia, you know. I just, I think it's, it's such a cool vibe it's it's an underrated New York movie. What the heck was that? It looked like sort of a big title in a trench coat. 
You're going to LaGuardia, right? It's just a great, a great, you know, you got Casey Jones, a vigilante who's stopping petty crime with hockey sticks and golf clubs and shit. Like, it's just, it's just awesome. It's just an awesome <laughs> idea. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's fun on top of all those things that it does take seriously. Like, it, it really works. Like, this should be, if I'm going to rank it on my tomato meter or whatever, I think it's a, in the 70s. I think it's in the 70s. Where would you rank it? What, what score would you give it? Yeah, as in terms of overall film, I would agree. I'd say 70s or 80s, I think, for what it is, if you start doing it like that, it's like a fucking 99. Like, <laughs> if you're going to say that, like, for what it is, like a kid's action-adventure with, like, you know, over-the-top fantastical elements, then it's, it's Citizen Kane. Like, <laughs> like that, that's what I think. But, I mean, yeah, in terms of overall movies, I give it an 80. I give it a 75. Like, it's, it's really well put together, and... I, I don't even have a ton to nitpick about it, but that's probably probably more my my bias. Yeah. You know, I have a few way. things. I have a few things. I could, yeah, yeah. I, I could just be like, meh. But really, I, I, I think it is really solid. Like, I think it is solid. I can't poke no. too many holes that are like of substance, really, because Very everything thoughtful. Yeah, it's thoughtful. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's it's poignant. It's thoughtful. It's I think it's great. I, I really do. Like, I, if you haven't seen it, you should go see it. Like, you should. It's, it's worth a watch. It's worth a watch. You can borrow my VHS. That's very nice of you. Yeah, <laughs> Reach out to us and, and ask for uh, Ev's home address, and he'll give it. His mother's <laughs> maiden name is Social Security. Any, just ask for it. He'll give it along with the VHS of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So a couple random thoughts here. Um, I always equate this film to New Line Cinema. Because it's, you know, the first movie I saw. So every time I see that logo, I always think of this movie. Mm-hmm. This was really the first big movie for New Line Cinema. Was it? Which uh, I didn't realize at the time. New Line Cinema was really, like, low, independent, and all the big studios passed on, on this movie at, for distribution because they were afraid it was going to be a, a failure, even though the, the IP was so popular. Then New Line Cinema picked it up and put it on the map. Yeah, yeah. Turtles. built The house that the turtles built. That's right, that's right. I was also really excited, you won't care as much about this, but I hadn't realized somehow throughout all of my childhood and, and re-watching and, and re-watching this that it was a Golden Harvest production. Golden Har- Harvest is a, uh, a massive, or was, a massive uh, film production company uh, studios in Hong Kong. And they were responsible for basically every Bruce Lee movie and every Jackie Chan movie. So, like, their heyday was the 80s and the 70s, 80s, and basically every Jackie Chan movie you watch, Golden Harvest logo. One of the first t-shirts I bought for this very show was a Golden Harvest logo. It says a Golden Harvest production. It was lost in the mail. I'm still upset about it. But I love Golden Harvest, and so somehow, I, this has escaped me, that this was also a Golden Harvest movie, which I think is really cool. Like, you, knew, you know when you were watching a Golden Harvest film or a movie that was produced by a man named Raymond Chow, that it was going to be like a quality martial arts movie. So this is this is cool. I, I'm happy about that. Love that they used the cartoonish logo. Like at the beginning of the film, the Turtles logo. Like that's the cartoon logo. Yeah. And I, and I thought that that was a cool choice. Yeah. I mean, smart enough, probably you have enough equity in that logo. They're just going to stick with it. I mean, I think that's a, it's like a business decision that I agree with. Classic logo. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's funny. This is no no segue at all. But uh, have you heard of uh, 
I can't say the actual name. You use a condom? I know you wrapped it up, right? A condom? What the fuck is that? Condom is something that Joe ass should have put on your half shell, nigga. You fucking up, man. Splinter ain't taught you shit, nigga. I recommend that to everyone, especially kids. Uh, kids will really enjoy it. <laughs> hey, bitch. That pussy man. <laughs> Bring the whole family don't gather do around. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> the whole scene, I'll just throw out a scene. Uh, Splint, like I love this shot. This is one of the first shots I noticed that was remarkable. Was when Splinter and Raphael have a really intimate conversation in the sewer after Raphael returns from his fight with Casey Jones. Splinter lights a match and it's just his hand and then the camera moves all the way around and it might be a one take for that whole scene. It is. It it's is. It's just like moving intimately with them and they're having a conversation about like your purpose and your place in the world and confidence and that shot that that's a, a, another one of those scenes there's a lot of like runners in, in this film that are just like artistic that are really that are really nice really pleasantly uh, aesthetically pleasing shots and that was one of them where it does wrap around splinter i want to say or wraps around as they're talking yeah and it lands on this super tight shot of him as he's delivering a really important and poignant statement to, to, you know, you take turtles and a rat out of this, you know, like that's legit. That's le And that's the way these films should be. Execute it at the highest level possible. Well, you're, it's, it's respect for your characters. It's like, we're, we're, we're joking about Mortal Kombat and the comments that we're getting that, that video about like, <laughs> if you want to, like this movie respects the characters. Uh, uh, somebody said that and I'm like, no, Turtles, like this is respect, is uh, like yeah. intimate moments with these characters and this character building and, and having enough respect for you as the audience to know that you can sit there for a couple of minutes without looking at your phone because this is an emotional, important moment. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. that's, that's how you really respect characters. Like you're saying, it's a turtle and a rat. It's two puppets in a candlelit <laughs> scene and that movie, get, that, that scene gets more emotion out of me than 75% yeah. of these new big movies that I'm watching today. I am here, my son. Yeah, and it, but it's because of the care to the, cr the craft and it all equals relevance to the story. You need those beats in the story for the end of the film to have emotional weight. And, and so you, you craft those elements to, to drive home that em emotional poignancy, if that's a word. But sure. And they treat it with sincerity. They treat those moments honestly and sincerity. And that's how every film, whether it's a fucking Pixar film or whether it's Schindler's List, should be treated the same way. So I, I'm just, this film does that. I can't say enough good things about it because of that. We finally got Keith. Keith <laughs> having some good opinions. <laughs> yeah. One out of 46 episodes. Are we yeah, at 47 yeah. episodes? We've got a cold streak lately. <laughs> I just love, like, this is just a small little nuance, but was his name Charles, her boss, April O'Neil's boss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he when he goes to her apartment uh, with Danny, the kid, and they're, you know, he, they're talking, blah, blah, blah. He, Charles, uh, looks out a window that's broken in her apartment, that it says, just what is going on out there, April? And I just thought like that level of detail is, is like, I'm, I know this is a low bar. Like I always give you shit about like, it is a low bar to clear, but like that's effort. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, that's nuance that he's saying that while looking through a cracked window, like he could have just been looking through a window, but no, it's more effective if we break the window. Cause then it's supporting what he's saying in a visual way. Like yeah. that's, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. God, I hope that wasn't an accident. 
but you're right. <laughs> Just a shitty window. Happy accidents. <laughs> but, Happy but accidents. You're 100% right. The care in the story. That's care within the story that you're telling. I love the shot from on top of uh, the chief, Chief Stearns, his desk at one point when he's going to call Charles Paddington because he's, Dan- he's got Danny locked up and it starts on the document, you know, yeah. the, the yep. booking sheet, spins around on the, the jib or whatever, pulls back out of the office, show him, and then he even leans out of frame and puts his feet Put up his on feet the up. desk and you're not even seeing him deliver the line. Yeah. And it's like... God damn, are we, like, I know we're in a desert of this barren landscape of horrible films for, like, the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. But, like, that little detail, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is fucking Casablanca. Like, this is great. And that, that's why the first thing I said out of the gate, the directing and the cinematography in this movie is pretty good. Like, this is pretty good for any movie. For any movie out, like, it's, it's, and I, it's, it's so unfortunate, not that it's wasted, because that's not the right way to say it, but I agree with you when you're saying it's probably overlooked back then, because there yeah. really was a really high bar for, for storytelling yeah. and filmmaking back there that we probably have lost along the way, which I could go into why, but I won't, HBO Max. It's um, your fault. You're all idiots. You <laughs> spend too much time on the internet. The end. <laughs> and I think that's why it's overlooked, but... But it is, there's some really high level work, I think, being done in this kids film. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. Love that shot. That's another dope shot, I thought, is there's another like runner that like's looping around Shredder and he's walking into the room and I don't think you have context to what's in the room. I think there's like a few people in the foreground or whatever. And then the camera comes behind him and then just kind of slowly, and there's a mass, those mass amounts of kids. Yeah. And, you, and it just, and that moment, it's like a holy shit, this runs fucking deep. Like, yeah. just, I just, even that little, like, it's not the greatest shot in the world, but it, it really adds a weight and a purpose to like, this movement is a fucking thing. There's yeah. 150 kids up there, maybe, at, you don't know how, ro- how many rows deep that are all bowing to this guy. Like, it's just, it was, uh, it's dope, man. <laughs> they got Sam Rockwell. They got Sam Rockwell. They pulled him in. Did you pick up on that? No, I did not. That kid was the actor Sam Rockwell. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. That's him? Yeah, yeah. The, the, main, the main kid that they keep, not Danny, the redhead, but the, the, he's like the main hood that, that pops up and goes like... Regular or mental? Like with the cigarette. That's Sam Rockwell. I didn't know that. I didn't know that's, that. Yeah, Sam Rockwell. He looks a little like... They get, he's got a little mustache. He almost looks a little Latino, like he's Cuban or something. <laughs> it's so funny. It's Sam Rockwell. I didn't know that. Look at me, not yeah. knowing things. You know, I didn't, I, I didn't know that uh, the voice of Donatello was Corey Feldman. Yeah. Uh, that blew my mind too. I didn't realize that. Excellent! Yeah! yeah. I think, I think the, the two human leads do a, a really solid job. Judith Hogue is the actress who plays April O'Neil. And uh, she, she didn't stick around for the sequel. I think she wanted more money. Although that could have been some bullshit and maybe they were just treating her like shit and she was like, just pay me what I'm worth, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like you hear in the, in the tabloids, like she was really a handful and wanted, yeah. demanded more money. Yeah. And then now after everything we've been through these last few years, it's like, eh, they probably treated her like shit and told her we'll get someone younger and prettier, you know? <laughs> did they did they recast April O'Neil? I don't remember. She had to be in the second one. They, they just did. recasted her. They did, with an actress named like Paige Turco or somebody, some... Nobody else. Paige was a very pretty young woman. I I liked her as April O'Neil, but uh, 
I think Judith Ho really did a good job. Like she, she seems invested. She, I, I didn't see her in anything after this. I think until Armageddon, she turns up in Armageddon. As, oh, is uh, she the the that's your daddy? Yeah. To her? Yeah. Yeah. And they, they all, they all, they, and then all is forgiven as they, you know, they they go forgive Will Patton, gambler and alcoholic, to because he saved the world. Mm-hmm. That, that movie's that good. That salesman is your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's your daddy. And then Casey Jones, Elias, my guy Elias, who we've talked about before on here. Yeah. He's he's great. He does a great job with what had to have been a super fun role. And uh, love love this love this movie on his resume. It's coming along nicely. We talked a little bit about the puppetry. Top notch. This was like the golden age of cinematic puppetry, I feel like. You got you combine this with like the labyrinth. And the Dark Crystal movie and a few other things, and you're like, yeah, this is right when, this was this was, I guess, one of Jim Henson's final projects before he passed away. Mm. Uh, he he died shortly after the premiere of this film. I, I really like. I and I will always say this, and and until I'm blue in the face, and people are probably sick of it, but like this sort of thing is a so much more commendable and respectable. Uh, these practical effects like this, and b they age way better, generally speaking. Like this movie you can watch, and I, and I really do think like this looks good. Like the, the effects, the character effects, they look good. It looks real, it looks like it's supposed to. You know that they're actually there. But you know, watch, watch now a, a, a movie that started using too much CGI, like something like a Mortal Kombat 95, or things like that, those all age terribly because the technology's gotten so much better. And even these movies that are coming out now, I think a lot of them will look horrible in 10 years. And Turtles from 1990 will still look pretty good because it's it's real life. And I, and I think, I don't know why more filmmakers today don't do that stuff more often. We're so concerned as a society, buckle up, or just, we're, we're, I, think, I think people aren't concerned with making films that last forever, for the most part. I'm generalizing here, but I, I don't think that's the priority anymore. You know, the, yeah. the, the, you know, making timeless films or making great films that, that, because everything is here and gone now, especially with like digital and streaming. Like bef- before, I think in the 90s, films had much longer runs. Like it took a year to get to, to, to VHS or to DVD, like yeah. it took, you know, you had many opportunities over the next five or even 10 years to continue a cycle for filmmaking or, or for a film that was complete, I feel like now, it's, 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 it drops, it has a week, it has two weeks in the theaters, now it's streaming, it's, it, and it's done. It's a month later, yeah. that fi- people just will never talk about that film again for the most part. And I think people are victims yeah. of that. So let's get the best technology we can right now because that's all that matters. It's all that matters. Yeah, How much is, money can we make point. right now? Yeah. It's like, let's just be hot for three weeks. Let's trend on Twitter for a few days. Yeah. Let's get our money and let's move and on to the, the fuck next out. Thing. And let's just get the fuck out so we can do something else. And someone yeah. will let me do make, something else like that. Make more money. Yeah. Broad general yeah. statement. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I'm close to something. Yeah. That's really how it works. I don't think you're wrong. Thank you. So um, one of the only little nitpicks things I have what I, that I, I laughed about as I watched was like, how, like, what exactly was wrong with Raphael after they fucked him up? Like, that he's unconscious for, like, was he in a coma? Like, he, like, like they just got him in the bathtub at the farm and he's been zonked out for, like, a week or two. 
Yeah, and just... it's like, wait, that, like I think he needs more medical attention if because you're not just unconscious for two weeks. <laughs> like that's not a, a real thing. So if, then he was in a coma, and if he's in a coma, he should have been at some sort of medical facility. Maybe he was just resting. <laughs> yeah, you like, know, like he's just, just really woozy. He's just yeah, like he's just sleeping for eighteen hours a day. Yeah, twenty hours a day. Why? Why? <laughs> why are the the foot? stealing like 20 bucks out of people's wallets. And why is that of national concern? Like that, that scale was my biggest problem. Like it seemed like, what was their, maybe I missed it. Like what was their greater motivation for, for that? Like sure they have small time people stealing TVs off old ladies' decks or whatever. Like sure, it gets down to that level. But what what's Shredder's ultimate goal like that didn't never made sense to me like they're just being that just kind of felt cheap in that sense where they're just being bad doing villain stuff to do villain stuff stealing money smoking cigarettes and ripping off old ladies in the park but like what's their end game what is their goal what's their goal as the foot what's the foot's goal i think that's a fair question i think uh that's funny i think i think there's like you know just with the context of the cartoon and other other media it's like world domination was always Shredder's goal. It's world domination. Sure, and as so I guess, all villains. That, that very clear, yeah. concise goal of world domination. Yeah. Oh hell, let's just do it. we always do. Hijack some nuclear weapons and hold the world hostage. Good. So I guess that would be what it would be, is like they, they steal all this money and, and tech, no crime too small, to add to the coffers. You know, to, to pad the bank account so that they can continue to sustain this army of uh kids <laughs> teenagers yeah teenage, teenage ninjas yeah. <laughs> that are gonna take over the world with shredder like i guess that's it but yeah yeah that's a funny that's a good observation that was like, my it's not only... exactly clear yeah you know. that, that's like, the I, that's the only thing i feel like doesn't have that level of like thought and sincerity behind it as like a clear villain goal and, like what are they why, why? <laughs> I, I laughed out loud ironically like right in that opening credits when they're when it's like when they steal that wallet and it's like it gets passed and passed and passed. Yeah. And then was that Shredder's arm? Like who? Who was no, that? I, I assume that was the the, the right hand man, oh, the bald like, dude. Like why is he thirty bucks? Like what? Like why is he involved in this? Like I thought that too. Yeah, I was like, I was like silly. Oh, they're like, really putting a lot of effort into this wallet. It's like if you're gonna steal a wallet, you steal a wallet and you run. <laughs> like, yeah, yes. It takes one guy to do this. It's not. It's not Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then ends with like the next level boss be like, got it. <laughs> yeah. It just, yeah. that was pretty stupid. That's it. See, there's nothing wrong with this movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> it is a great movie. It really is. You should, you honestly should go see it. If you like films, I think you should see it. Honestly. If you enjoy films, you should go see it. Well, we talk about, I, I know, I, I'm sure I've pitched this to you before, but I just wanted to share with you guys so you know how smart I am and, and why Michael Bay and whoever owns this. Uh, property right now should should give me money and permission to make this movie mm -hmm. is I always wanted to make the fourth film in this series which I guess that there's an animated film TMNT which came out like in 2007 which I never saw because I was you know in my 20s at that point but uh, that was a fourth sequel because there was this movie there was Secrets, Secret of the Ooze which is the sequel which is like fine it starts to get a little goofy I mean it gets really goofy but it's like, it was still okay. You got Vanilla Ice shows up. 
Um, the only thing I remember rap, from the sequel is when Ice shows up. It was a great time. I, I loved it when I was nine. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. thought it was great. Turtle time? Oh. What was the song? Like, there was, like, he did, like, a turtle-inspired song, didn't he? Wasn't it, like, turtle yeah, yeah, time? Yeah, ninja rap. Ninja rap. Ninja. Ninja. Rap. Well, because I think they got Hammer in the first one. I think Hammer. Yeah, that's Hammer. That's Hammer. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that yeah. is... Kids don't know Plugged how big in. Hammer was. Plugged into the hip-hop. So yeah, Secret of the Ooze, and then the third one, which was the one they traveled back in time, in time to ancient Japan. It's some bullshit. Hey, hey, I don't kiss on the first date, lady. Raft, give it a rest, will ya? Yeah. Don't be afraid. We're just gonna ignore that one. And then I guess there was this animated one that was also a sequel, but I didn't see it. I always wanted to do a sequel, excuse me, to those first two, pretty much as the first one. Make it rated R, Make it a really a dark film because the audience for this film is going to be 40-year-olds, you know, 40-year-old <laughs> dudes who love the turtles. So it's an adult film and it's them. And we saw, I guess on Saturday Night Live, they recently did a spoof. You pointed this out I to me. I sent it to you immediately. <laughs> yeah, I was furious about this because my idea was always obviously not a comedy like that, but they're all now they're all 40. Um, and Michelangelo is addicted to heroin. And he lives underneath the Santa Cruz Beach boardwalk. Obviously. They all split up. They haven't talked in years after the events of, uh, because they all go public after Vanilla Ice makes a song about him in the club. So they don't talk anymore. They all went separate ways. Um, Raphael is a cage fighter. Uh, and uh, Donatello works for like Tesla or something. Like he works for some. He's Facebook. He's, he's, he's Zuckerberg's right hand guy, you know. Um, but, you know, off the grid, uh, so to speak, in terms of he's not in the public eye. And then Leonardo is the guy who stayed with Splinter to be his caretaker. Splinter, on his deathbed, said his dying wish is for Leonardo to get the band back together. And because there's a new threat, you know, whatever, pick your, pick your villain. Baxter Stockman or the Technodrome or Krang or whoever you want. And Leonardo's got to go and convince all, the, all his brothers to... Uh, to team up again and rediscover their purpose and see Splinter in the campfire and, uh, and learn the meaning of life. Get Michelangelo clean, that's gonna be hard. He's, he's real smacked out, <laughs> sucking dicks underneath the beach boardwalk. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's getting rough. You have me, a, you have me until sucking dicks under the, <laughs> under the boardwalk. Lots of, lots of Michelangelo sucking dick scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you wanna talk character development, I want 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes of how hard it is on these fucking streets. <laughs> <laughs> really intimate, really uncomfortable scenes with Michelangelo and his Johns. <laughs> but Too uh, much. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a great, great movie. Listen, and, uh, I, I hate 85% of your ideas. I think this idea is a, is a home run. And I've thought that since the day we, we, you told me about this. Like, legit give him the opportunity to do it. Like, I, I think that story alone is, is awesome. I think it's awesome. Thank I think you. it's awesome. To be, to be so real gritty. Real gritty, real dark, like, yeah. like very realistic, grounded, like drama. Like, like yeah. with some hints of the old fun and stuff. It's perfect. A little bit like Logan. 
Yes. Did you see Logan? Yes, we saw it together. Come on, on my birthday. I don't remember. I have the worst memory ever. It was my birthday. We saw it on my oh. birthday, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> but a little bit of that energy, yes. I, I would make it just, just a hair, a hair lighter. Yes. Have a little bit of comedy and a little bit of like retribution where there's like real, emo- like not that there's not real emotion in Logan. But like real emotion with the four of them coming back together and you know like overcoming their demons and putting it all aside and Splinter's name like really getting into that. You can't tell me that wouldn't be yeah. a, a, a slam dunk. Uh, I I couldn't agree more. Like let's start a wave together to get like re- restore the Ev verse. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Like yeah. the, the the TMT verse. That's uh, this. No is... one cares more about these characters and these stories than I do. I swear to God, and <laughs> I will is... I will do it well. Yeah, this is a home run. It's it's a home run. And then also Thank hire you. me. Yeah, yeah. You you're gonna play. Uh, you're gonna play one of the Johns. Fucked up? Yeah. You got some weed? That purple. Alright. Let's go. Excuse us. Better go get some weed. Let's run by the gas station first.